podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. We are back, and in this week's show, we have angry divorcees in the finest 90s fashion and teenage rebellion done the wrong way. Welcome to the episode. have been a repeating thing in 2020. It's been the theme. It has. We don't do great with motivation in lockdown, so we do apologise for that. Um, it has been a good long while since we've last posted. Yes. Um, so we might as well introduce you to this show because you might not know what you're listening to. <laughs> so this is Hills, his film, her movie. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And this is the show where we take themes or situations both pick a film on it to discuss, yes. and then discuss it. Usually, have a bit of an argument. Well, different, Heat, dif- differing tastes, discussion, differing tastes, and all that jazz. Yes. We are a podcast of Pod Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Then the podcast network, so you can go over to wearepodsyndicate.com to check out some great other shows. Mainly by people who are way more motivated than we are. Way more motivated than we are. And professional. And that's it. So it's film, it's TV, it's pop culture, it's beer, anything to tickle your fancy. But I'm not sure. I mean, how are you? I say, how are you? You are my wife. I see you every single day (laughs) for numerous hours. (laughs) But our listeners don't. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, hopefully we sound better. Yes. We are sat in our little office that we've created during lockdown. Yeah. Um, just so we can hopefully get better uh, sound quality. But the cat is very confused because it's a Saturday and she's wondering why we're in here. So if you hear any little meows, yeah, she's just having a bit of a chime in until she gets... Um, settled, but no, I'm pleased to be doing this. We've watched a lot of stuff during lockdown, we have. Um, and we've discussed a lot of stuff during lockdown. We just haven't pulled our fingers out to actually get recorded during lockdown, and that's it. And I think we will try and get so we're going to try and get one out a week, and we're yes. trying to keep motivated because we've already got next week's show all sorted, what we're going to watch, and everything like that. So, 2021, I want to say. Well, this is how long we haven't recorded because we thought about this theme that we're going to do in December because it's going to be a new year. <laughs> yes, no, we didn't. But we completely missed the first month of 2021. So what is the theme that we're doing this episode? New beginnings, new starts, fresh starts. Yes. So that made sense when it was going to get released on January 21st. <laughs> It did make it made it made a lot more sense. However, I was I think trying to see this as a bit of a. We've a, made it through January. We made it through January. We're back in rough hiatus, so it's a bit of a new start for us. So, let's talk about the films we're going to do. So, yes. what did you choose for this one? I picked the nineteen ninety six film First Wives Club. Yes, with. Uh, well, it's directed by Charlie Beale and it's got an all-star cast, really. 
as Goldie Hawn, Diane Keating, um, Dame Mackie Smith, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and that's just the female cast. Mm. Um, you you said when you even you had a little look at it, there was um, there's Victor Garber, Stephen Collins. There's so many different people in it that yeah. it's kind of a little bit of the who's who for uh, like like the nineties. Yeah, pretty much yeah. it is. And, and what did you pick? I picked 1963's Billy Liar, directed by John Schlesinger. Mm-hmm. And this is part of well, it was in the era of the British New Wave. Yep. Um, and one of the top northern british films um out there i think it's worth discussing i think because there's some interesting stuff in it there's some controversial maybe not of today's time in it (sighs) yes however we might as well get into it so what we'll do uh, i think we should start with mine yeah because mine's an easy one okay and then we can go full pelt. I've got a lot to say about yours. Right. Okay. So then, <laughs> if you want to have easy listening, listen to mine first. If you just want to hear probably us, me having a rant, yeah. listen to the next one. <laughs> it's fine. So we'll start with 1996's The First Wives Club. We'll have a clip and we'll be back shortly. The time has come. Spill those lips. What's in them? They wax. Excuse me? What else did you have done? Come on, Elise, you can tell me. The cheekbones, the jawline. Do you just have a little bit or the full enchilada? I work out every day. I watch my diet. I have not had plastic surgery. Well, good for you. You look terrific. Oh, come on. At least you're lying through your caps. Okay. All right, I have been freshened up a little bit. Oh, God. Does it hurt? No. What do they do with the stuff they take off? Do you get to keep it? Oh, come on, Brenda. It's the 90s, for God's sakes. I mean, it's like plastic surgery is like good grooming. It's like uh, brushing your teeth. Elise, look at you. You have been yanked and stitched and stuffed and pulled. You're a turkey. Oh, and what? please who? Wait Your ex-husband? No, to please everybody. To please everybody. Everybody. Men. Everyone. Women, studio executives. I mean, come on. I mean, youth and beauty, man. I mean, that's the ticket. Okay, so like I said, this is the 1996 uh, Charlie Beale film, The First Wives Club. Uh, like I said, so many different uh, actors and actresses in it. But the main story is um, following... It starts off with four friends. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, how they think their lives are going to be skips forward to, we'll say the present day. It's the nineties. To me, that was still ten day, ten ten days, ten Today. years ago. It's present day it's for not them. Present day for them. Because that's when it came out. Um, and then uh, one of them sadly commits suicide, and the other three are all separated or divorced whilst they're partners and ex-husbands move on to their next wives so they are the first wives club and it's how they cope with that how they get their revenge and how they move on and grow and become stronger yeah so the reason i picked this film was mainly because 
to me, it's a nice, fun film. Goldie Hawn looks amazing. Mm-hmm. She always looks amazing throughout it. And she plays a hilarious caricature of an actress at the time, desperately clinging on to her youth. Whereas she is, I think, late 40s, early 50s. I think they're all late 40s, I think. So she's getting typecast into older roles, but she still thinks she could play a 25-year-old. Bette Midler is a middle-aged housewife. Um, And Diane Keating, again, middle-aged, very much in denial about her separation. And what I liked about this is when you sit and you watch it it it's it's got the the funness of the revenge it's like the different stages of going through a breakup and each one of them is at a different stage you mm. have Diane Keating as the denial and going nope be fine we'll get some therapy and we'll go back through and um, you have Bette Midler who she I feel is between anger and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And you have Goldie Horn who is at the revenge stage and she's the one who starts all of this yeah. off. So with that, it all kind of collates to a few madcap little bits. Yeah. It's a bit of middle film, so of course there's a little bit of a singing sing song in there. Why would there not be? I think when we were watching this, I was worried in case you would... Because you hadn't seen it. I'd never seen it, no. I was worried in case you were like, this isn't a fresh start film. It's more of a revenge film. But it's the last sort of 20 to 30 minutes Mm. to me that is the fresh start. They get to a point where they realise there's no point in them doing all this revenge on their husbands. Because that's only going to benefit themselves. That's not going to put any good back into the world. And so, in the end, they get all their money from their husbands and they set up a women's shelter in the name of their friend who sadly killed killed themselves. And to me, that's where the fresh start is. It's going through all these different things of being, you're so angry and you're so jealous and so hurt and so upset. And then working the way through and going, do you know what? I've got these feelings and I'm going to have to live with these feelings until they go away. But until they go away, I'm going to channel them into something that is going to be a benefit Mm -hmm. to other people. And I think that is what's good about it. I think some people will watch it and be like, oh, look, shrill women. And be like, oh, they're just out for revenge and they do all this. But the whole thing, the whole message behind the end of it was that their friend sadly killed herself because she didn't feel supported. She mm-hmm. felt alone and they don't want anybody else to go through that because they recognise that any one of the, them three could have gone down the same path. And if it wasn't for the relationship that they had with each other, then that, that's kind of saved them and they want to expand that relationship. Um, as you were watching this for the first time... Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? Um, well, for me, it was... The, the film had this really good start to it, like, mm-hmm. setting the characters up regarding... I mean, after the sort of the flashback, um, when they're in college, you get the stock Channing who kills herself, but then mm-hmm. we get this 
maybe 20 minutes when we're getting to know Bette Midler, Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, and the situations they're put in are quite comical. Yes. Um, you got Goldie Hawn just saying, like, just fill them up, talking about her lips and, like... Cher's pioneering work is yeah. one of the lines that I really like. It's got some good zingers but, but in that, there. But that's, I think the first, like, 20 minutes does have some of those great zingers and it, and it plays off, like, the idea of the nastiness but also how that can be actually quite fun. Mm-hmm. And it's a good script. However, I think as the film goes on, you sort of lose that zinginess. Yeah. Like, like they thought these some of these great characters and then didn't really know how to use them. Mm-hmm. Like, the film, I mean, the film is not bad. It absolutely is not a bad movie. It's just the fact that it, the reason why it is successful in what it does is just completely down to Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler and Diane Keaton. Yes. Like, their charisma and what they actually do bring to it as a team and as in, as individuals. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got Bette Midler, especially at that time in her, in her career, just making funny faces sometimes. And that's funny to me. Yeah, and that, that's, that's entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah, but as soon as it, when it goes on a bit more into the revenge sort of tale, then it just becomes a bit cliched and things like that. Yeah, how, I agree. How, However, there are some good... So like like mini set pieces in a way, like when they do go into uh, Bette Miller's husband's house and they're trying to um, find the evidence of basically the mob. Money laundering, money laundering and stolen goods and everything. That's very well done. Now, yeah, and at the end of it, like I like the idea of that centre. Mm-hmm. But that maybe should have come a little bit earlier and then try to have a bit more of that because that... That was the more interesting aspect of the film. Yes, I do feel like I feel like they set out to make a certain kind of film, and as they got through it, they realized that because at some points in the film, the characters aren't as likable; they mm. do become more bitter. Yeah, and I feel like they've tried to they've sort of maybe looked back and watched it, or maybe showed it to people, and it's maybe been received badly. Yes, and so they've had to then put this in. So it's then received more favourably to people, which I could completely understand because at some points it is very much the trope of the bitter ex-wife. And they even point to it sometimes. There's one line where they go, we are becoming the women that our ex-husbands say we are becoming. Yeah. And it's like, we don't want to be like that. And then that is the turning point. Yeah, I get that. But I also get like the fact that people saying, um, go down the tropes of the bitter ex-wives. However, like, let's not click, let's, let's not beat around the bush. They have reasons to be bitter. Like, oh, God, yeah, they have so much, very so, good reasons to be bitter. So therefore, it's not like... It, it, it's not, they haven't just had a natural break or... That's it. It, it, it. I don't think it's... And again, there's one thing is like, this was written by a man and directed yes. by a man. And that, again, I don't, I don't really get. I'm like, you've got this script where you've got three of sort of 80s icons, if you mm-hmm. will. Just, just give it to a female director. Pretty, or pretty much any female director. Yeah, and just let them run with it. Because I'm pretty sure they'll be able to relate to the material and relate to even bring some stuff that a man wouldn't do. Because yes. again... It's written through the eyes of a man. Yeah, yeah. And although they're trying to identify as women and see it in a female way they there is like there is like little bits that they miss they don't quite get the relationships quite Mm. right with between each other i do think this would be a very good film to be remade but remade by a woman yeah yeah. i think it would be very interesting to see how they would do it 
and update it for modern times. Yeah. Um, I just feel like if they did something like that, it would probably be a little bit more interesting. I think it would be more wild, widely received. I think that it would be more identifiable. It would be, yeah, and I think, again... It was the 90s, films, and we're going to go into a bit like films and time capsules and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that my real, probably not negative, but I picked up on was like, it just really is three middle-aged rich white women. Oh, yes. And like, there's literally no diversity within no diversity. the cast at all. So it's all that, that certain level of... And about pretending to be Italian or something, yeah, yeah. yeah but isn't. But, but I mean, that, that's uh, you, you play up that for that character, which is it's not, that's not his act. That's that's an act that he's putting on. It's not his character. No, no, he he comes out. He's like his real name's like something like Paul, but he's oh. like, but he goes by this mm. name, so that way he can then pretend to be like a of an amazing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but that's the thing. You, you probably have a bit more of a diverse cast if you remade it, but. But again, we've got Babette Midler, Goldie Horn, and Dan Keaton were big names back then. There probably was a big get to get them in one movie. Oh, God, yeah. If you had to remake it, who would you put in? Oh, God. I think I'd have to have Amy Poehler. I think that she would be good. You probably could have, like, a, like even, if, even if it's like bringing back, like, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Mindy Kaling, or uh, Tiffany Haddish. Yes, I can see Tiffany Haddish being good in there. Yeah. So, yeah. As well. But yeah, I think, yeah, you could get like those those type of actresses and I think mm. they would probably bring a little bit more, a little bit more to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it, to me, it's a nice, easy watch film. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a comfort watch. There's, there's no, I always like to measure it in sort of like, who could you watch this film with? Um, because there has been many times where I've been incredibly embarrassed about watching things with my parents. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like this is one that you, you can literally watch with everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any swear words really in no. it. If there are, they're not, they're not any of the top bad ones. Top bad ones. Top, top five bad ones. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's got a cast where everybody's going to recognise them from somewhere, even if it's just a case of you get Bette Midler from hmm. Hocus Pocus, everybody knows that one. It's something nice and easy that you can just sort of put on, and if you leave halfway through and you come back, you're not you're still going to be able to pick up yeah. the story well enough. Um, and of course, 90s fashions. 90s fashions, watch it, get some inspiration, because they're coming back, sadly. <laughs> All right. Would you have anything else to add? Um, not as much. I think that yeah, I do think this one is definitely due a reboot. Yeah, I think it's it's not really a film that you can actually talk about that much because not it's not to say that the re- well, it probably is to say that there isn't that much weight behind. It's very lightweight. It's very floaty and things like that. It's it's a 90, 90s comedy that doesn't have any any. Ideas of above their station. You're not trying to have a message in it. It's just a fun. For me, again, I'm I'm, 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 I'm probably not the audience for it, but it was probably just a, a good film for women to go out and watch together. Yeah, I, I, the reason why I picked this one was because there is so many other like fresh starts like Eat, Pray, Love and yeah. all this, and I didn't want to go down that route. I wanted to go down something 
I feel like this is slightly more relatable. Mm. Like if you break up with somebody, you're going to have those feelings. You're going to be like, I want to do something. And this is them focusing that energy into something good. Yeah. It's not a case of something like Eat, Pray, Love, where you go, it's not bad to happen to me. I'm now going to go and go around the world tour because one, we can't travel. And two, um, you've got to be in a very privileged place to be able to do that. And whilst these are women of privilege, you have got money. If something bad happens to you, you can still at least give back in some way to the community, even if it's just, I don't know, buying something for a, a food uh, yeah. food shelter or giving money or doing something, you can still give back. Yes, they gave back in a very big, big way, but every little bit helps. So to me, it was a more relatable way of a fresh start. Cool. Well, what we'll do is we'll have a break for some promos and a clip and we'll come back with Billy Liar. Yes. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news and an eclectic mix of other film goodies. Oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it. And if you don't, well, we don't really give a f***. This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. They'll be having you sweat before I finished. It might just interest you to know I have been down to that jeweller's and they have never heard of you. Never mind that flaming ring. Uh, you must have gone to the wrong shop. Oh, must I? Well, I didn't. I went to the right shop. Henderson's in Bridge Street. That's funny. Uh, did you see Mr. McMichael? I don't know. I saw the fellow behind the counter. Oh, well, that's it. You should have asked Mr. McMichael in the workshop. It is my godfather. He's doing it privately. You are rotten to me, Billy. It's true. Ask me, Dad, if you don't believe me. It's me Uncle Ernest. Dear old Uncle Ernest. Oh, I don't know where I am with you, Billy. We're supposed to be engaged if you did but know it. Well, I said he didn't want to marry me. I did not. I said I wasn't going to live in a rotten cottage in rotten Devon. So don't you come that one with me. I want that ring back and I want it tonight. Oh, well, uh, that's just it. I've got to stay in tonight to play Monopoly with me Uncle Ernest. It's his birthday. Oh, Monopoly. I'll tell you what you're doing tonight. You're taking me dancing to the Roxy. So I'll see you outside at seven. And don't you be late, right? Barbara, I mean Rita. Yeah, and we're back with my choice this week, Hmm. which is John Schlesinger's 
1963 film Billy Liar starring Tom Courtney as the titular Billy. Now this is a film set in um, a northern city in Britain and it follows Billy who is this bit of kind of a dreamer. He lives in his own sort of mind and he has a fictional country that he wanders off his uh, wanders off in his mind to and he's wanting to get out of this town and become a joke writer, a script writer for a prominent TV personality, radio personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes around saying that he, he's on his way out. He's got this script. Um, he's got this script accepted by this 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 personality, and he's off. He's going to quit his job and go and live the big life in London. So this is an interesting one, and instead of me just talking for a bit, maybe it's it's one just to discuss okay. because it's a bit of a different one. And again, I think you were saying like you didn't feel like yours was a fresh start film. Where for me, and I always do something but with our themes. I always try and try and get into the cracks of it. And this is for me. Jordan likes to be clever. Well, I try to be clever. Um, <laughs> it, this film is the build up to a fresh start this is what happens before you decide do you know what maybe i do need to have a change in my life okay so billy the first thing to say is i mean as a film it's so creative and it's so well made the the fantasy elements of it was like something that really probably hadn't really been done that much in British cinema, mm-hmm. and it does feel unique and energetic, and especially Tom Courtney who is unbelievable in the role. He is so so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy as a character is not that likable. He has some elements that you like, but mostly he's just a asshole. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't see anything about him that was likeable. Not a single solitary thing at all. Yes, the fantasy elements were good. I enjoyed that. I thought, oh, this is fun. This is different. Um, But when you look at him as a character himself, he is a narcissistic, controlling, breadcrumbing, little piece of work he drugs his fiance jordan there is nothing nice about this man and then drags her away to somewhere private so he can have sex with her yes he is not there is there is nothing he, nice he, about he, that no no there isn't the, the only thing i think about that time it was like i don't again we're talking about films being time capsules yes like generally that was probably a bit more carry on than anything else where you could make fun of that way it wasn't mm-hmm. as there's the stigma which should be around it wasn't around it yes and it was a bit more of like okay you're taking a prude and trying to not make her a prude which yes yeah the connotations of it is terrible and the connotations of his relationships with women is terrible shockingly bad but i think what what you do get me at is that he's just a scared young man and wanting to escape but not doing it in the correct way. Like, he escapes into his own mind. However, he just sees opportunities. And I'm not trying to empathise with him, mm-hmm. but I do find him a fascinating character and I see him sort of kind of a realistic character of he's very self-obsessed, he's very yes. self-involved. He 
thinks only about what benefits him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's when that sort of comes crashing down and when we do finally get to meet sort of the the Julie Christie character in it where she is saying, well, we're saying all this stuff and I said, let's do it, let's move. And then, so that's when you see the, the cracks appear of everything yeah. like that and saying, right, okay. But I, I, for me, it's a film about a mindset and it's a film about not only like a, a child mindset, but like Britain's mindset because like at the time, because you think it's how much are we told? I mean, probably not, not most nowadays, but back in the day was just get your nine to five, just literally go into a job because it's a job and mm-hmm. it'll pay money. Doesn't doesn't matter how much it'll pay, but it pays money. You get dinner on the table. You, you know what I mean? It's those old style values of which he's peddling. Yeah. And those values is I think what he what he is rebelling against. Um, and for, for not for good, like not in a good way, but. I understand why you would rebel, rebel against those and try and be a bit more, have a bit more freedom and a bit more free will and try and be creative in an environment where that really stifles that. So I agree with most of that. Yeah. I do not agree that he's a scared young man. Right. I do not agree with that. I think when it comes to some... I, I recognise that character mm-hmm. as people as I have met in my past. They are people who are like, I am great, I am confident, I can do all this, I can do all that. And they are all talk. Yeah. And the minute that he gets scared is when the minute that he has to then prove himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Because if he just talks, he doesn't have to prove himself. He can go off and he can be whatever he wants, but he doesn't have to actually do anything. Um, he lies, he cheats, he steals a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he actually didn't have to do that. He steals, what, £200 worth of posting money and a huge amount of calendars. All he needed to do was post the calendars. Yeah, it's not a great job. He's got a cushy job, Jordan. It's an easy job. He posts out calendars. He does a bit of, uh, you know, by the looks of a bit of admin work. Yeah, it's not exciting. And yes, you want to go off and you want to do something else. But he is an adult. He also has to understand that, you know, for you to be able to go off and, and do your dreams, you sometimes have to have a little bit of money behind you. You need to be able to do that. He could view this job as being a stopgap, I'll come in, I'll do my work, I'll get a good reference, I'll save my money, because he's still living at home, he doesn't have full bills or anything to pay, and then I can save up and I can then start doing my dreams. Mm -hmm. The reason why he is, like, his dad's like, oh, you can't do this and you can't do this, and he's like, I'm going to rebel, I'm going to do this, isn't because I feel like his dad is like, you've got to get a proper job and you've got to do this. I feel like it's because his dad is literally at his wit's end. His dad is like, I have offered you a job in the family business. You don't want that. You have got this job. You're not doing that. His mum makes a comment about how he can't keep on flitting from job to job. So this isn't the first job that he's obviously Mm. had. And I think they just get into the point of, we support you. You can live at home and you can do whatever you want. We just need a little bit of... Um, 
stability from you. Mm. Um, I honestly, from the characters and how you sort of see his parents, I honestly do not believe that his parents would be so against him doing script writing if it wasn't for the fact that he just missed about any time if he was oh. working <laughs> and doing the job properly and going into work on time and going I've got a pay packet and then going oh do you know what? I've wrote this script and I'm sending it off and I'm getting money for it because he the guy says I'll pay per rata for mm-hmm. each of your sketches and your jokes so he can get paid for it the guy obviously liked his stuff it's just that it's not fitting into his ideal perfect narrative that he's like oh well there's no point in me doing it then if i'm not gonna get a full-time job in me doing yeah. this there's no point in me doing this yeah 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 and it's, i don't think his parents are paid, painted as villains i don't think there's really many villains apart from billy himself no. whose who's thing but is it a good film or do you, because you, what you're talking about there is you talk about the character and the film mm-hmm. doesn't paint him in a sympathetic light oh god no so he paints him as at times like the scoundrel and the liar and the cheat and the whatever. Like it doesn't. He paints him with a very tardy brush. So, what do you think about the film and not not judging the character? Um, I thought the film was okay. I like the like I said. I really like the fantasy bit. I thought that was fun. I thought it was different. Um, I thought the story because it, it only takes place over like a couple of days. Yeah, it's yeah. nice and easy to follow. That's all good. I like how they've shot it all. Mm. But I do find that the way that this character is written makes it hard to look at how it's done because the bits that stand out are the bits in his imagination. They're the fun bits. They're the different bits. It's like, for one, you haven't mentioned the guy's obsessed with violence. Oh, yeah. He is. He imagined shooting people, majority women, five times in this film with, like, quite violently, with, like, machine guns. Mm -hmm. And it's all because they say to him, you need to go to job, you need to go to work. Like, you're running late for work, go get dressed and I'll make you breakfast. And he's like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. Like, and yes, you can look at it and think, oh, back then, that'd be like, oh, that's so funny, that's so different and go yeah it's good how it flits in between and sometimes it's a little bit difficult to tell what is real and what is in his head but the way that I feel like it's shot and I really feel like the way that it's been written makes it harder to look at the film itself because you are literally just following this character who has nothing good about him like you can look at I don't know like villains in like Batman and Superman and go well do you know at least they had a good wardrobe this guy doesn't even have a good wardrobe he's got nothing redeeming well, I think, well yeah I think it's like it's that story of arrested development it's a story of not accepting um, not being and again I think it's, it's, it is that ego it's not accepting not being top dog mm-hmm. Um because when he's actually pushed against it, he will just lie. Yeah. Because he's scared of... Again, I think he's scared of himself. He's scared of that maybe he isn't what he says he is. And he's going to be just part another cog in a huge industry machine. Mm-hmm. And don't be wrong, yeah, what he's doing and the way he acts out is not 
like condonable, but I can see that in like in that element of it in many people mm-hmm. of, of like, do you know what? Let's just hide behind this facade of a personality that is created because he doesn't really get real until he meets Julie Christie, and mm-hmm. Julie Christie's the first one that re- is really like. Well, she knows that he's full lying. of bullshit. Yeah. No, well, let's do it. And when he does it, and like when they get on the train at the end of the film, she knows that she's got. She's got every single one of his. Where he goes, oh, let's forget. Oh, do you want to get some food? Got some. Yeah. Do you want to get this? Oh, I've got some. Yeah. She's she's covered for everything, and yeah, and that's it. Like when he gets off the train, like you see when the train pulls away, she's already taken his case off. Yeah. She knew that he was not going to go through with it. No. But when you said it, it was like. I, I don't see it as being a fresh start or not like a fresh start, but on the way to a fresh mm. start. Because the last sort of scenes of him is him walking up the street and he has the full... Marching band. Marching band and army and all this and they're following up and, and he's like, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I feel like it would have been more powerful to have that starting at the bottom of the street and... Instead of the marching band and everything else getting bigger, seeing people leave well, there you until go. it was just himself. Because he's literally marching into this fresh start, but he's still carrying that imaginative sort of thing <laughs> That's really with good. him. That's really good. I just feel like he's still walking into this new life, but very... he's not getting rid of the baggage. He's not getting rid of the lies. He's not getting rid of the imagination. They're still with him. That's a, that's a good metaphor. It really is actually very good. Like Thank That would have been a great film, end of that film. I really feel like that is how this film should have ended. It should have ended with him and just like literally... Like looking back and saying goodbye to like the last drummer and them just like walking off and then that last shot of him being by himself. And I know the last shot of him is him being by himself, mm. but that's just because you're, you're following it in his mind. I just think if he did that, then to me, that would have said, okay, right, he's leaving this life mm. behind. He's letting go of it. Didn't say that to me at the end. It didn't. I just felt like he was just going to be carrying on with the same bullshit that he was already going to be doing. I read it as him accepting and going home and saying, right, okay, I'm home and this is where I'm all, I'm, I'm happy now. Mm-hmm. But hey, I think it's, it's an interesting one to come back with because, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very um, weighty in what it's actually trying to trying to say and again but what like for me like Billy yes is a nice character but Tom Courtney is bloody amazing in that movie like oh, yeah, I he think he's so many different characters yeah, like but he brings so much like in the first five minutes I think we actually see him sorry like the first maybe 20 minutes we see him like maybe in 10 different sort of guises mm-hmm. I mean yes in the first five minutes he does appear in blackface which is yeah. not great not great but again different time time capsules that Happened. It's not mm-hmm. looked at now, but different times. Yeah, I mean, I think I I do like this movie quite a lot. Um, not as in like it, not as in like a, a fun movie, mm-hmm. but I think looking at that mindset and and the way Britain was at that time, I think it's a nice little slice of of life. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a fan. Although I'm going to be, um. 
facetious? No, I, I'm going to sort of mix my metaphors here, but like, no, actually, I mean, that's that's wrong. But um, but it's like fantasy cinema verite, yeah, in, in a way where cinema verite is obviously it, it's that's real life. It's showing you raw and everything like that, but it shows you that, but also so shows you the fantasy aspects of it all. Yeah, and I did like the fact that it's probably one of the earliest films that I've seen where it does have a slice of um, kind of what's going on Mm. in somebody's head and that can be very difficult to show. Um, So I do think that they did it well. I I just hated him. Well, that's the thing is, it's like, for me, you can can hate characters but still like movies, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, and it's, it's not like... They've got a teenager, basically, of, mm-hmm. of what they're trying to show, you know. Like, they're trying, not trying to show Billy as a, a young whippersnapper. They're showing him as this person who has lied and stealed and tried to take the easy road out for his entire life. And this is the the couple of days where that all comes crushing down. Yes. So, I think that's it for another... Well, this episode... It is. We're back. We're back! I, I, I've got we to had an argument. Th- we didn't have an argument. We had a heated discussion. A heated discussion. But, yeah, I actually found it quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I need my, my, but I don't think my brain is fully switched on quite yet. No. So, hopefully. That's okay. I forgot the word, I forgot the word for gift basket the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that thing that you give people and it has stuff in and it's like woven. And mum was like, do you mean gift basket? I was like, yeah. <laughs> That thing. But no, we will take that as our leave and we'll come back next week. Yes, we will. With a couple more movies. So that is a goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week.